Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts one more time. If you've been with us, we've been working through this book for the last year and a half. And uh, this, uh, as far as not, not the last message ever that I will ever preach from the book of Acts, but uh, the last message in this series through the book of Acts. And I have really enjoyed uh, studying through this book together with you. And I hope it's been a help to you. Uh, I think if you want to go back, maybe you're studying in your own Bible reading or your own time and you want to go back and look up some of the uh, messages that cover various uh, passages through the book of Acts. We've tried to go really uh, through the whole book and cover it as best as I could. Thankful for Brother James filling in last week and he took the first portion of chapter 28. And today we're going to uh, look at verses 16 through 31, which we'll read in just a few moments. Do you ever feel stuck? Do you ever find yourself frustrated with your current situation? Maybe it's a circumstance uh, at work or something in your home life, something that you want to see something change and change quickly, but you want to see that change happen now. I know yesterday I was standing on the pool deck refereeing the swim meet. I'm thinking, I want this meet to get over. It is hot and uh, it just seems to be dragging on and on. And so I'm trying to move people along. You feel stuck in a position where you're at in a moment. Or maybe you're going to the same job over and over and you're thinking, I want things to change. I need things to improve. And it's just not getting any better. I know when I was working in sales, I, I quit my job in my head about four times, um, but never um, did it in purpose because every time I would be ready to just be done, I'm tired of dealing with all of the crazy people and all of the stuff that goes on in the office. And I think, but this is how I feed my family and it is how I provide. And so maybe I need to rethink it. And so, you know, you go back to work another day. Sometimes we're doing things and in situations that we don't love. Sometimes it's in a spiritual situation. You are praying and desiring to see change in a loved one's life or in a friend or neighbor, a spiritual change. You might even find yourself asking the question, will they ever change? Can this ever get better? And I, I want to confess to you this morning that there are times when it comes to this kind of stuff that I struggle with discontentment. Like, I want things to work out in a certain way and take place quickly rather than slowly. Um, and it's easy to find ourselves discontent with the situation where we find ourselves. Sometimes you just feel stuck. God's been working on my heart about this in my own life. And... Learning contentment, as we understand through the Scripture, it's hard. Learning patience takes time. When you read in the book of James about patience, it talks about patience as something that's developed through the trials and struggles that we face in life. Patience, I like to think of it this way, is not a gift. It can only be earned. And yet a lot of us wish we had more of it than we do, but we don't really want to go through the process required in order to earn that patience that we need. And I'm thankful that God is working on me about these things, and I'm praying that I will be a faithful pastor and shepherd to this church. 
Here at the end of the book of Acts, we find Paul. This man that God had met on the road to Damascus, who had gone from being completely opposed to the things of Jesus Christ and the work of, the, of Christianity as the gospel was being shared about the world, and he became its greatest advocate and carrier of the message of the gospel. We find this man who had traveled from place to place, from city to city, starting churches wherever God would take him with the desire to reach every Jew and every Gentile with the gospel. But we find this man where everything seemed to come to a stopping point. He couldn't travel and preach. He couldn't visit the churches that he had planted when you read some of his epistles, you hear the yearning of his heart as he wanted to be able to see them and to spend time with these people that he loved. In fact, he couldn't even leave his own house. And he spent his days with a Roman soldier keeping guard over him. Here's a man from a human perspective that faced a situation in life where he was stuck, where he was stopped. And yet, as we read this together this morning, I want you to see that even though he was stopped, he was still unstoppable. He was still able to continue on serving the Lord. So let's read the story together Beginning in verse 16 of Acts chapter 28, you follow along as I read aloud. The Bible says, and when we, this is Luke, and Paul is there with him. Obviously, Paul's the prisoner, but Luke is traveling with him. When we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And it came to pass, after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I've committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of, for this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And they said to him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, they were talking about Christianity here, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they'd appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, 
Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of the people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. And notice the last phrase, no man forbidding him. Stop yet unstoppable. This doesn't really make sense, right? How can you be under house arrest, guarded by a Roman soldier, one of the Praetorian guard, and yet the statement is made that no man was forbidding him, no, no man was holding him back. Paul here, he's physically stopped, he's locked up, he's under house arrest, and yet he's continued to move forward. He's saying with confidence, no man forbidding him. This is the truth that I want us to really wrap our minds around this morning, that living your life focused on the Great Commission, right? That command that we've been given by Jesus Christ to share the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. Living your life focused on the Great Commission will enable you to live in the unstoppable power of the gospel. He's stopped, but he's unstoppable. Paul described this well in his letter to the church in Philippi when he wrote in Philippians 1, 20 and 21, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. This is his desire. He said that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. That's my desire to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, you know when he wrote these words to the church at Philippi, do you know where he was? He was in prison. He was locked up. He said, but I want to live with boldness and I want my life to magnify Jesus Christ. And he says this though, whether it be by life or by death. Here's a man that understood no matter what situation he was in, his life was still all for the glory of God. We ought to take that same focus, right, as well, that no matter where we find ourselves, whether we feel really stuck and shut down and stopped in accomplishing what we want to get done or whether we feel like life is just moving forward in, at a pace that we enjoy, either way, it doesn't matter. Paul said it this way, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The whole purpose of his life was for Christ. I want you to, as we look here at this passage in Acts 28, to see some truths, some principles, I think, about this unstoppable life, the life that helps us to continue on even in the face of maybe restraint or frustration or things that might be discouraging to us that we face every day. Because the reality is we all face those things. You face physical struggle. Glad to see you're back today, Marie. We've been praying for you. 
We've been praying for others. We've been praying for Brother Joe. He was in the hospital last Sunday. Praise God, he's home today and, and he's improving his health. We pray for those who are sick, right? But you know how it is when you're sick, you're stuck. I hate being sick. I'm not a very good sick person because I'm an impatient person that wants to get up and do things, to go, but you feel stuck. So here's a question to consider when you're sick. Are you where God wants you to be? I already mentioned maybe working in an environment or for a company and you feel frustrated by your situation where you find yourself. You feel stuck. But are you really stuck or are you where God wants you to be? Maybe you look around you and you say, I want to make a difference in my community. I want to make a difference in my family. I want to be able to do good things and see it actually have an impact. I used to have a boss that would say, no good deed goes unpunished, right? You're like, well, that's a pretty discouraging way to look at life. But we find ourselves sometimes frustrated, discouraged, just stuck. I think the first truth we can see from Paul's life here in Acts 28 is that the unstoppable life is not distracted by the cares of this world. Notice with me, please, back in Acts 28 and verse 16, he gets to Rome. The centurion puts him under house arrest. And then in verse 17, it says, It came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. Here's Paul. He gets to Rome. He's, he's already gone through the shipwreck. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. He's been under Roman guard. He's faced multiple trials. This process has already been going on for several years at this point, and he hasn't even made it to Rome. Because remember, he was locked up in, in Jerusalem and then in Caesarea for a couple of years. So this has been a long process, and he gets to Rome, and three days later, he's gathering people together with the purpose of sharing the gospel with him. This was a man who did not get distracted by the cares of this world. I don't know about you, but if you're going through something like Paul was, I'm guessing when you find yourself in a place where you're no longer on a boat, no longer traveling, no longer moving, you're like, I just need some time to figure out what's going on. I, I need to figure out how I'm going to get food. I need to figure out how I'm going to take care of myself. I need to take care of all these things. And I'm not saying those are unimportant things, but I see here uh, in Paul someone who was willing to focus on his purpose ahead of his comfort. If we're going to live a life that's not distracted, that's unstoppable, that continues to move forward in the face of great frustrating things at times, we must focus on our purpose ahead of our comfort. What was Paul's purpose? It was to bring glory to Christ, to magnify Christ. And he did that as he shared the gospel wherever he went. So is God telling us to stop working to provide for ourselves and for our family? No. I'd ask you to turn with me over to Acts chapter 18. This is at earlier in Paul's ministry. And he travels to Corinth, and when he gets to Corinth, he's not able to support himself financially from the offerings of the churches that have been supporting him. And so what does Paul do? He goes and gets a job making tents. 
It's not dishonorable to work. No, there's great honor in providing for yourself and for your family. And when he gets to Corinth, it says in verse 2 of chapter 18, And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came to them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. He worked with them, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Paul gets to Corinth. He needs to be able to take care of some financial needs. So what does he do? He doesn't go out in the street and beg. He just goes and gets a job. He goes to work. He takes the skills that God had given him, the skills with his own two hands, and he goes and begins to provide for his needs. But in doing this, he didn't forget his purpose. He wasn't working just to provide for his physical needs. Yes, he needed to do that, but as he was providing for his physical needs, he stayed focused on his purpose. You say, what was his purpose? The same purpose that we have, to make disciples, to preach the gospel. He's ministering there to Aquila and Priscilla. And if you were here for this, when we looked at this passage several months ago, what happened with Aquila and Priscilla? They became the main people who helped bring Apollos to Christ and then teach him the truth. And Apollos went on to be a great preacher of the gospel there in Corinth. Your job is not just to provide comfort for yourself and for your family. Your job that God has given you, the way that you provide for your family, is a gift from God to provide, yes, for your physical needs, but also to give you spiritual opportunities to share the love of Christ and point people to Jesus. Amen. You feel stuck sometimes. Hey, I, we just celebrated some graduates. I remember at different stages in my educational days as I was going through school, you just feel stuck. When is this school year ever going to be over? Well, we're almost there, kids, right? But I hate to break it to you, there's another school year coming. Don't think about it too much, but, you know, a few months down the road, we'll be right back at this thing again. And, of course, everybody thinks, I thought it too, hey, when you're going through school, someday I'll be done, I won't have to do school. Guess what? There's life, and sometimes that school seems a lot tougher than the other school. And it doesn't get less busy, it gets more busy. You have to do what now has been relegated to a hashtag. You have to begin adulting. So how do we continue on in the face of that kind of frustrating things that will come up? We can't become distracted by the cares of this world. We must focus on our purpose ahead of our comfort. But I think we would also see focus on truth before your personal freedom. Cares of this world. I, I want freedom to do what I want to do as much as the next person. But I need to focus on the truth even before personal freedom. I say, what do you mean by this? We'll go back to Acts 28. Paul is explaining to these Jewish people there in Rome why he's there. And he makes the statement to them that he had done nothing that was deserving of death. But yet he still 
appealed to Caesar. And he said, I didn't do this because I had anything negative to say about my nation. He didn't want to talk badly about the Jews. He gives his reason, though, in verse 20. He says, For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you. Notice what he says. Because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Why is he locked up? Because of the hope of Israel. What or who was the hope of Israel? Jesus Christ is the hope of Israel. He was the promised one, the Messiah, the one who would come to set them free from their sin. But when Jesus came, they wanted him to set them free from the Romans. They wanted personal freedom more than they wanted spiritual freedom. Because in their way of living, they had come up with methodology of ways that they could work themselves into God's good graces. They had come up with ways that they could keep up their religious outward show and somehow therefore expect to receive God's blessing. But Paul wrote it very clearly. He says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Notice the next phrase, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our natural, this is not just something these Jewish folks struggle with. This is something we struggle with today. Deep down, we want to be able to work ourselves and do it on our own. But Paul was willing to be put in chains to give up personal freedom because he desired to share the truth, the hope of Israel, with these people who were lost. Here's the challenging thing with this group of people here, these Jewish folks in Rome, they didn't think they were lost. They thought they were okay. I get it. You'll meet all different kinds of people out there. But there are quite a few people that would tell you, I'm okay. I, I don't need anything else. I can do this on my own. You say, but you're struggling, aren't you? I know, but it's just a little bit harder, a little bit more. If I can just work this out, just invest in this. I know the stock market's down, but I'll, I'll buy now and it'll go back up and then I'll be good. Don't worry. They'll find another way to tax you. Don't worry, they'll, they'll find another thing that you say, well, I didn't even know I could be frustrated about that. Listen, when you're living for yourself, you'll always, there will always be another thing to be frustrated about. There will be, always be another thing to get distracted by because there's always something else. Boy, if I just had this, then I'd be comfortable. If I could just get there, then I'd have the freedom that I really want. If my business would just get this far, then everything would be good. If my kids would just get a little bit older, then I wouldn't have to clean up some of these messes that I'm doing. Right? It's always the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And then all of a sudden we turn around and our life's over. And we realize, what did I just spend my life doing? Being discontent distracted by the cares of this world. Here's a man, and, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to lift him up as the example. Paul, he would say it if he was here this morning. I know he would because he said it over and over in the Scripture. His focus was on Christ. He was only anything because of Christ in him. And so he's not the super Christian here. 
He's just a man just like you. He's a human being just like you. And he struggles just like us. But his focus was on his purpose ahead of his comfort. His focus was on truth even before personal freedom. I think we see this example in Paul as you read some of his other letters because he remembered his calling. He remembered what God had called him to do. He remembered where God had found him. He called himself over and over, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm less than the least of all saints. Remember, you're forgiven. Remember when Paul reminded the church at Corinth about that? He, he, he lists out all these various sins, all these horrible things that people were involved in. And he said, and such were some of you. Don't forget where you came from. He said, well, I came from church. I've been in church my whole life. Listen, he wrote it well in Ephesians 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He found you dead and he's given you life. He found you lost, and now He's made you His child. He found you on the wrong road, and He's put you on the right path. He brought you out of darkness and put you into light. Focus on the truth before your personal freedom. Because remember, He's given us a job to do. This unstoppable life is a life that's not distracted by the cares of of this world. Second thing I think we can see here in Acts 28 is that this unstoppable, unstoppable life is not discouraged by the unbelief of others. Notice what happens because here in the story, Paul, he, he comes to them, he says, I'm here because of the hope of Israel. This is why I'm bound with this chain. And then he begins a conversation back and forth with the, these Jewish folks that came to visit him. Verse 21. And they said to him, We never, re never received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. Well, nobody said anything negative to say about you. It's pretty interesting because back in Jerusalem and Caesarea, they had a lot of negative things to say about him. But either they didn't weren't really serious about it or they felt like they couldn't they didn't want to make it all the way to Rome and try to speak against him there but either way these men I guess they could be lying but they're claiming here that they know nothing about Paul but in verse 22 they said but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest for as concerning this sect we know that everywhere it's spoken against everybody's talking about Christianity Everybody's talking about those who are followers of, and we saw this over and over in Acts, the way. And so they make an appointment with him. Verse 23, when they'd appointed him a day, there came many to his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. And where did he preach Jesus to them from? From the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. He took the Old Testament, that's what we would call it today, and he preached the gospel to these Jewish people. And he did this from morning till evening. Notice the next verse, though. And some believed the things which were spoken 
and some believe not. There's just two groups of people in the world, those who believe in Jesus and those who reject Jesus. Sometimes we want to break it down further than that, but every person in this room this morning, you fit into one of those two groups. Every person will either believe or not believe in Jesus Christ. And I mean that in this life because there's coming a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in that sense, all will believe in Him someday, but not all have believed in Him for eternal life. But all will bow. It's easy to get discouraged when you see people rejecting the truth. And I think a lot of times we get stuck because we get discouraged by the lack of change or spiritual growth in somebody else. Maybe I'm just preaching to the preacher, to the pastor this morning. Because there are days you think, Lord... I pray for these people. I care for these people. I love these people. I visit these people. What's wrong? And then the Lord will remind you to look in the mirror and realize, hey, buddy, it's taken you some time to change too, hasn't it? Amen. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged when you don't see the transformation taking place in somebody else as quickly as you would like to do. That's why we often get stuck spiritually. We look around and say, well, I just wish other people were as serious about the things of the Lord as me. But the reality is, I'm not as serious about the things of the Lord as I'd like to think I am sometimes, and neither are you. All of us need to grow. Paul, though, as he is... Speaking to these people, some believed, some did not believe. But then it says, verse 25, And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. What did he speak? It wasn't just a single word like we think of, but he, he gave them this message and he shared with them from the prophet Isaiah. Those, little note for you Bible scholars, this is another great verse that speaks to the inspiration of of Scripture, the fact that it was God-breathed. He says that the Holy Spirit by Isaiah the prophet spoke to our fathers. Isaiah didn't just come up with this on his own. The Holy Spirit told him what to write, and he wrote it down. This is God's Word. This is not just a collection of man's stories. Some will try to explain it away as that, but if that's all it is, then it is worthless to us. But if it is the Word of God Himself, then it has great value for our lives. So Paul says, this is what the Holy Ghost spoke to our fathers by Isaiah the prophet. And what did he say in verse 26? Here he's quoting from Isaiah, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear. This is sad and shall not understand. There will be those who will hear and will not understand. And seeing ye shall see, but 
not perceive. They'll look, but they won't really see. They'll hear, but they won't really listen. And he says, why? Because the heart of this people's waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. What was their problem? They were rejecting the truth. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me. I see, sadly, so many people in our society who are working so hard to drown out the truth, to turn off the truth, to ignore the truth, to try to marginalize the truth. And sadly, many Christians are allowing that to take place because we get discouraged by the lack of change and transformation in the lives of others. As Paul is quoting from Isaiah, he's pointing out, God told us even back from the prophet Isaiah that this would take place. And we often look at this kind of situation of people not wanting to hear the truth and we think, well, that's a, that's a new thing. It's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. It's as old as the sin nature in man is old. Think about it. Adam and Eve in the garden. What did they do after they sinned? They went and hid themselves from the Lord. They're ashamed. They, they, they didn't want to be confronted with the truth. They, they knew what it was, but they didn't want to hear it. And the Lord came to them. You know, you think about how good God is. He created Adam and Eve. They sin in the garden. And then what does the Lord do? He doesn't just wipe them out and start over. No, He comes to them. And he clothes them. He takes another part of his creation, a lamb, and he, and he kills it. And he makes clothing for them. That lamb didn't do anything wrong. Of course, that was just a picture even of what he did for us with his son, Jesus Christ. This whole world living in sin, rejecting God, going their own way. And God sends His only begotten Son, the perfect Lamb of God. He didn't do anything wrong. And He hung on the cross, and your sin and my sin was placed upon His shoulders, and He suffered and He died in our place. We didn't deserve that. Well, if anybody could be discouraged about the unbelief of others, it would be God. We here as God's children, we claim we are if we've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We claim that we've been given a purpose and a mission, and yet we find ourselves stuck because we're discouraged by the unbelief of others. And He spoke this truth to them from Isaiah, and He said, be it known, therefore, unto you, verse 28, and that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he'd send these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. Yes, 
it can be discouraging when you see those who reject the truth. And it's true, every person will either believe or not believe in Jesus Christ. But I believe there's great joy found in bringing the life-giving message to people who are in need. And that's what was said to Paul here. Paul, I know they've rejected the truth, but now the gospel will go to the Gentiles. This wasn't the first time that kind of statement had been made. Paul also always went to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. He wrote in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Praise God that it went also to the Greek because had it not also gone to the Gentiles, you and me, there'd be no hope for us. See, Jesus is not just the God of the Jews. Jesus is the God of this world. Jesus is the God who sets us free from our sin. Don't be discouraged when you see the lack of belief in others. The unstoppable life is not discouraged by the lack of belief in others. Rather, we find joy in bringing the life-giving message to those in need. I think every mother understands this as she's tried to feed her child something that the child doesn't want to eat. Mom, if you only focus on the things your kids don't like to eat, it could be really discouraging to cook and feed them food, right? All you're going to do is spit it out, throw it down, make a mess. Oh, it's a constant battle. No, but there's great joy found as you see them grow, as you see them change, as you find something they do like to eat. I see it all the time on my social media feed. Someone else's child's having a first birthday. And what do they do? They give them this cake and kids making a mess and throwing it around and there's just great joy on their face. I don't remember if maybe... You could go back and check in my parents' photo albums and find out. I don't remember if I had a cake like that when I turned one. I have seen enough pictures from when I was a child to know that I really like spaghetti, though. <laughs> Faces covered in sauce and noodles everywhere. When we look at that, we find so much joy. Why is there joy in that? Because there's always joy when we see those receiving things and enjoying things. There's great joy when we see those who trust in Christ and follow Him. And I can just say it this way, Jesus is a whole lot better than spaghetti. But some people, it takes them a while to realize that. Paul's locked up. He's under house arrest. Physically, he's been stopped. But his ministry continued on and it was unstoppable. I think the third thing we see about this unstoppable life is it's not deterred by physical restraint. This is probably one of the worst ones. Yes, we get distracted by the cares of this world. That just keeps you busy doing other things. Yes, you can get discouraged by the lack of belief in others and it just kind of gets you shut down on the inside. But, oh, being under physical restraint... Feeling like inside, I could do a lot more, and I'm just not able to do it. That can be discouraging. It says in verse 30, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. 
preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, boldness here. He's speaking with great freedom, which is the exact opposite of his physical situation. No man forbidding him. I put it this way in your notes. Loss of personal freedom does not mean that God's work has been stopped. Isn't it me? Paul couldn't go to them, but God brought them to Paul. Let me read you a few scriptures. You might jot these down. To look up later, Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.11. He said, only Luke's with me. He's writing this in this time of prison. He says, but take Mark. You know who this was? John Mark. The one who had left Paul on his first missionary journey with Barnabas. But now he says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. Paul's by himself. He's locked up. He can't get out. He's under house arrest, but he's allowed to have visitors. He says, bring, hey, Timothy, when you come, bring Mark. Bring Mark. Come visit me. Paul wrote another letter to, Col to the church at Colossae, Colossians 4, 10 and 11. He talks about somebody else who was with him, Aristarchus. Aristarchus, by the way, was from the city of Thessalonica. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salutes you. And Marcus, here he's mentioned again, John Mark, sister's son to Barnabas. That's how we know which Mark he's talking about, sister's son to Barnabas. Touching whom he received commandments. If he come to you, receive him. And Jesus, this is not Jesus Christ, this is somebody else who had the same name, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God which have been a comfort unto me. Paul's in a difficult situation. He's physically restrained. He's lost personal freedom, but the work of God has not been stopped. He wrote to the church in Philippi in Philippians 2, 19 and 20, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. One of my favorite people that God allowed to be locked up with Paul for the purpose of the ministry was a slave by the name of Onesimus. This was not when Paul was under house arrest here. This was when Paul was in prison. But it says, Paul wrote in Philemon Verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten in my bonds. In other words, it's like Onesimus was perhaps his cellmate or the guy locked up there in prison with him. Do you know what Onesimus' name means? It means useful. Onesimus was a very unuseful servant. He ran away from his master. and Because of that, he gets locked in prison. In prison, he meets Paul. Paul introduces him to Jesus. He trusts Christ. He's now his, his one he's begotten in his bonds. In other words, he's in prison, but he's still reproducing spiritually. And now he's become useful. This person who was unuseful is now greatly used of God. Aren't you thankful that God can take people that aren't very useful 
and make them very useful for Him. When you ever look around at somebody and you get frustrated, what is, they're just a waste of space. They're just a waste of the air they breathe. Listen, we feel that way, and that may be true without the Lord, but God can take the most unuseful person and make them usable for His glory. I'm so thankful that He can do that. Paul wanted to send Epaphroditus to Philippi. I supposed it necessary, Philippians 2.25, to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. You see, he was restrained in his freedom. He lost his personal freedom, but that didn't mean God's work stopped. You know, the time that Paul spent in prison was some of the most fruitful time for him when it came to his writing. And we have a large portion of our New Testament as a result of the fact that he lost his personal freedom. This isn't Bible, but it's been a book that's been a great help to many people. You know the book Pilgrim's Progress written by John Bunyan? He wrote that where? In prison. I don't want to go to prison. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you're in a situation where you're physically restrained, you lose freedoms that you've held dear, that you feel like you have a right to, it doesn't mean that God has stopped working. God used Paul's imprisonment to expand his ministry into new places. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14. He said, I would you would understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He said, what I'm going through, I'm in prison, but that didn't slow me down. I'm not stopped. No, it's furthered the work that God has given me to do. See, the only way this work is if your life really is to live for Christ and to die is gain. Because otherwise, man, throwing you in prison really messes up your life in a lot of ways. Taking away personal freedom can be very frustrating and discouraging. Make you angry. Paul could have been angry. Paul deserved his freedom. Paul had the opportunity even to be in front of Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. They beat him. You weren't supposed to beat a Roman citizen without a trial, and yet Paul was beaten without a trial. They threw him in prison. You weren't supposed to be able to do that without a trial, but Paul spent many a night in prison without any trials. He had every freedom that was available to a person in that day. He had much more freedom than most people of his day. Historians tell us that a large percentage, like 60, 70%, maybe even more of the Roman Empire were slaves. Paul was not one. And he didn't purchase his freedom as some people had. He, he was free born. And now he's losing that personal freedom. Why? Because of the sake of the gospel. But he said, what's happened to me has actually furthered the gospel. Verse 13 of Philippians 1, he says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. Wow, Paul's ministry is now going into, the, into Caesar's palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And if the guy you like is locked up, does that make you more fearful or less fearful? 
Paul says it's making people less fearful because they're seeing God at work even in my time of physical restraint. Later on in, in Philippians 4 and verse 22, he says, All the saints salute you. It's chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. So Paul's locked up in Rome under house arrest and God's just growing the ministry. Sometimes you think, well, I, I want to be able to do more. I, I want to be able to go more. I want to be able to accomplish more and be in front of more people. God can do His work even if He puts you in one place. Paul could not leave his house and the ministry was expanding. Caesar's household is hearing the gospel. Many are trusting in Christ. But I, won't, I will say this, Paul didn't do this without struggle. It wasn't easy for him. Well, how do you know? Well, Ephesians chapter 6, right after he gives us the list of the armor of God that we're to put on. Have you ever noticed verses 18 through 20? He talks about prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. He says, pray for all saints. And he says, and for me. Pray for me. You don't ask somebody to pray for you if you, if you think, well, I don't need, I got this, I don't need help. No, you ask for prayer because you know you need help. And for me, what was his prayer? That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly with confidence. What? To make known the mystery of the gospel. And he says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. That's an interesting concept, right? An ambassador is to be one who is sharing the message of their king to another kingdom, right? That's what an ambassador does. Our, our country has ambassadors that go to other countries. But he's an ambassador that's in bonds. He's an ambassador that's in jail. Typically, they don't lock up the ambassador. They may kick him out of the country, but they don't lock him up. Paul was an ambassador in bonds. But he said, here I am, realizing that in his bonds... His work as an ambassador did not stop. He still had a message to proclaim, and he said, please pray that I would preach it boldly. And he says, as I ought to speak. He says, I know I should do this. We, we, listen, I, this is Sunday morning at church. It's Memorial Day weekend. You could be a lot of other places. I don't want to assume too much of everybody, right? We all need to follow Christ. And if you've not trusted in Him, Jesus can forgive you and save you from your sin. But it would be my best guess that most here know Christ. And you're an ambassador. We know we ought to do this stuff. We ought to speak this. And yet, the reality is we, we struggle to do it. I just want you to know. The answer is not, well, be like Paul. No, the answer is trust in Jesus. Paul had to. So if he had to, you better trust in him as well, not in your own strength. Lack of personal freedom does not mean that God's work has been stopped. I wanted to add this because I think this fits. And I'll show you some scripture about it, but lack of physical strength also does not mean that God's work will not go forward. I've been so encouraged in my, my life by those who have more experience and wisdom and years than I do 
who have encouraged me about God's faithfulness in years beyond that, I've, that I haven't experienced yet. I'll never forget Brother Alan Titus, a man in his 80s who would come in every week to the church and he would take some, some gospel uh, information, some tracts, some, some things, and he would clean out our rack. I'd fill it up every week and he'd empty it out every week. And I'd say, Brother Titus, what do you do with all those tracts? He said, my mission field is the doctor's office. He said, I spend most of my life in a waiting room. And he said, and people there are hurting and they're looking for answers and they're usually by themselves. And he said, I've had so many opportunities to share Christ. Hey, he's physically restrained in some ways. He's lost physical strength, but that doesn't mean that his work has stopped. Doesn't mean God's work will stop. There will come a day if the Lord does not return soon where all of us will, our lives will end on this earth. But that doesn't mean that God's work will stop. A couple of weeks ago, I called our, some of our missionaries, the Connors. They've been serving the Lord now their entire adult life. They, they started a church, trained up new leadership, passed it off to other leaders and went as missionaries to Mongolia all before I was even born. And then they spent a number of years over Mongolia serving the Lord there and now they're back still working to reach folks living on the Navajo reservation out in Arizona. And a lot of their ministry is spent doing translation work, translating material into various Bible studies and discipleship material into the Navajo language. Now, when I first talked to them, I thought, why, why do you need to do that? Can't you just do it in English? I said, no, we could. But many of these folks, they, their culture and their heritage is important. And so they're, they're passing this language down from one to the other. And they understand things best in their native language. And so we want to take the Word of God and we want to take the truth that we've learned and we want to be able to pass it down to them and we want to do it in their language because that's how they best connect and grow in their relationship with God. I'm talking to Brother and Mrs. Connor about this. I'm like, you guys are 82 years old. Most of the stuff you translate may not even get fully finished and published until after you're gone. Why are you doing all this? He said, well, it's not about this life. It's about laying up treasure in heaven. And he said, our, we may be gone, but our work can live on. Because God's work is not stopped by lack of physical strength. Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 13. He said, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffered trouble. I'm going through hard times as an evildoer, even to bonds. I've been locked up, but the Word of God is not bound. You might be locked up physically. You might be locked up 
in a situation in life, you go, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated. I want things to happen. I, I, I need more space in my budget. I, I, I don't know how to pay for everything that's getting more expensive. I, I don't know what to do with my family situation that I'm facing right now. I'm not sure what to do with my children. I, I don't know how to work through this. I'm frustrated. My friend, this morning, God's word is not bound. It's not bound by your lack of physical strength. It's not bound by your loss of personal freedom. God's work is not bound by the limits that are placed upon us. God's word is not bound. Therefore, he says in verse 10, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. That was his focus. I'm willing to go through physical pain, physical struggle, physical restraint. Why? So that others may know the love of Jesus Christ. Are you living life for you or are you living life for the Lord and for others? He said, it's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. I, I'm encouraged by God's Word. I'm encouraged by the example of Paul. God's been teaching me that my perspective is very limited. And He's always working in ways that you and I cannot even imagine. So what happened to Paul at the end of Acts 28? Did he die right here at the end of Acts? Luke doesn't tell us. I was doing some study on this and there's various opinions because there's no place where it just comes right out and says it. But we know that Paul had a desire to go to Spain. Here he's under house arrest, which is difficult. But later when he's writing to Timothy at the end of his life, he seems to be talking about he's going, he's going through much greater suffering than it would seem that he's facing in this two-year time period. So here's a possibility. Maybe none of the Jews showed up to speak against Paul at his trial. And so Caesar looked at him and said, well, I don't have any reason to hold you, and he lets him go free. And then Paul goes back out and continues to minister the gospel. Maybe he gets to Spain. Maybe he even gets north of there. I don't know. We don't know how far Paul made it. But at some point in there, we know he was arrested again. He was taken, and he was put to death for the cause of the gospel. But if Paul was here today, and we were to say, well, Paul, what happened to you? I think he'd probably say something like this. Don't worry about what happened to me. It's not important. I already told you, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Back at the beginning of this book, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus Christ said this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, the story of Acts isn't just a beginning and an end. It's a beginning that continues on to this day. 
And at least where we're sitting here today, some are saying, well, this is the end. It'll be the end when the Lord says it's the end. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. We're living it out today. We're, we're living in the continuation of the work of the Holy Spirit through the church, through the power of the gospel. We're living in that still to this day. It's easy to feel stuck. Maybe you feel stuck in your, some situation in your life, even stopped. But with Christ, living on mission for Christ, this work is unstoppable. They can chain you down. They can lock you up. But they can't stop the power of the gospel. It's easy to get distracted, to get discouraged, or even be deterred by the physical limitations and circumstances that you face. But nothing can stop the power of our God. Together, I believe, we must refocus. We must re-sign, get faithful to what God has called us to do, stand up for truth and speak the truth in love. Because as we live our lives focused on the Great Commission, then we're able to live enabled by the unstoppable power of the gospel. Paul said it well. Towards the end of the book of Philippians. I've learned in whatsoever state I am. Therewith to be content. I, I know both how to abound and to suffer need. You've listened well this morning. Some of you have been here for the last year and a half as we've worked through the book of Acts. I want to stand here before you this morning and just say, I want to be faithful till the Lord comes. Sometimes I do get discouraged, get distracted. Sometimes I feel frustrated about things. Maybe you're that way too. Well, if I could just get this thing done, if I could just push that thing over the finish line, then, then, no, that's not how it works, right? We all have goals and things in our life. Maybe your goal is to pay off your house. Say, I don't know how I can do that now. Maybe your goal is to pay off your car. Now it's broke. Now I got to get another car and pay on that one. I don't know where it is that you feel stuck this morning. But if you're like me, you may find yourself there sometimes. But being stopped doesn't mean that the work of God is stopped. It's unstoppable. Scripture says, be therefore steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain. Physically, you may feel stuck. I don't have the energy I once had. A lot of folks have dealt with that over the last couple of years. People were running and doing and living. And then COVID happened. I read an article this past week of people who, because of the various 
issues with their health, they still are afraid to be able to go out because of the sicknesses that they have that they already had before COVID. And this just compounds their situation. I read another article this week that said, you know, you will probably continue to get COVID over and over in your life. That's just part of, part of what we live with now. And those kinds of things can make us feel stuck. When is this ever going to be over? I put 22 gallons of gas in my car this week and it was 90 something dollars. When's that going to be over? And that wasn't a full tank. I know, I drive a Suburban. Yeah, I had five kids. That's my fault. Okay, but, you know, like, <laughs> just saying, I got to live with it now, right? I'm not going to auction any of my children off. You ready, Micah? <laughs> if anybody, it'd be Micah. He, he'd be ready to, he's ready to be grown sometimes. Sometimes I feel stuck. And you just think, oh, it's just a grind. Another week, another month. Now, winter things going to change. This past week, so heartbreaking what took place over in Uvalde in Texas this week. I know you've seen it. Poor babies lost their lives. Teacher. It's awful. Our world's going to try to blame somebody, yell at somebody, take away. Some will say, well, how much freedom is too much? All those arguments are going to go on, right, about all those things. So what are we to do? Get distracted? I'm afraid we are sometimes. Just be discouraged and frustrated. Easy to be. I've been there. Feel like everything we try to do, we're just we're just held back from it, just, just locked up. Man, somebody said it to me this week and I agreed with him. Man, I just I just try to mind my own business when I'm out in public because I don't know what people are gonna say or do. I, I get it. Don't wanna make any waves so what do we do we've got to remember why we're here remember where the Lord found us and remember he's making he's preparing a place for us someday so whatever comes in this life this week you think about it this past weekend people head into this week kids are their last week of school, some of them didn't finish. We had friends who said, well, I, I don't know how I can even send my child to school when things like this are taking place. You're a parent, right? you got to take care of your kids. I'm not trying to scare you. This is just the realities of the world that we live in, right? And we try to ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. And, oh, we're just all happy all the time. But you're not. And I'm not. We're frustrated. We're discouraged. We're stuck, but we're not stopped. The gospel's unstoppable. Amen. Let's remember that. And when you feel stuck, pray. 
They can lock Paul up in a prison, but they couldn't stop his prayers from reaching the ears of his heavenly Father. And it's okay to call others to pray, too, with you. Paul did it. Pray for me, please. Pray for one another. I've seen people even saying it this week. Well, every time bad things happen, people just say, our prayers are with you. Prayers don't do anything. Well, they don't do anything when you're not talking to anybody. But they do great things when you're speaking to the Lord. Don't, don't give up that great opportunity that you have if you're a child of God to speak to your heavenly Father. People, all they do is pray. Nothing ever changes. Yes, because sadly, many of the people praying are not talking to their heavenly Father. And the only time they cry out is when they're just in distress. They have no relationship with Him at all. My friends, let us not be that way. We have such great access to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. God's faithful. I know this wasn't a tight conclusion with a good story and a poem and three quick points to finish it out, but I just wanted to share my heart with you this morning and tell you God is faithful. And let you know that even if you struggle, that God's still on the throne. And to remind you that you can look to Him. He says, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Maybe you're a young person here this morning, a teen, you're just graduating, you look out and say, man, all the adults is doom and gloom all the time. Doom and gloom. I'm afraid as I get closer to 40, then I'm going to be lumped in. People will say, well, all he does is talk about how good it used to be back when gas was less than $2 a gallon. Aren't there some things to look forward to? Yes, there are. We have a great God who created a great place and He's put us here to enjoy it and to be able to live in harmony and joy and peace with Him. He's the giver of peace. If you're a teenager, you've got great things to look forward to. There's exciting days ahead. You'll get to experience God's work in growing you and transforming you and changing you. And there's nothing sweeter than growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And growing in your confidence in His Word and understanding of truth. The more time, the older you get, if you'll be faithful to pray, the more prayers you get to experience being answered in your life. And that's incredible. Because when you start to look back, and some of the folks who've lived a little longer can tell you this, teens, juniors, they'll tell you, it's been good and it just gets better because God is faithful. They might be concerned for your future and what's going to take place. Why? Because it is concerning. But we have a great Heavenly Father. Would you join me in prayer as we go to Him now? Maybe God's spoken to your heart this morning in a particular way or another. I know He's been using this message in my life for a couple of weeks now, and maybe He's used it in your life in a particular way today. 
I would just invite you to take that to the Lord in prayer. Maybe there's an area of struggle or fear that you need to confess to Him this morning. Maybe just a recommitment in your heart to, Lord, I'll be faithful to you. Maybe you just need to trust Christ today that you've put off for a long time. You know the truth. You need to trust in Him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. This truly is the day that the Lord has made and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Acts. It finishes with one of the central characters of the story locked up. And yet his work did not stop. The ministry continued on. And even if the end of Acts was the end of Paul's life, Lord, the ministry that you gave him has continued on to us today. Paul's life was only great because it was lived for you. It's only had an impact because of the work he did for you. Lord, and we pray that you would use each of us to serve you faithfully because making a positive change in this world only comes when we walk with you. Lord, we pray for our country, our state, our city. Lord, for people all around us in the neighborhoods nearby, here we are in Garden Oaks and Oak Forest next door and Candlelight Plaza and Oaks and Plaza and Shepherd Park and Independence Heights, Lord, just up the street to Acres Homes and around to the Inwood area. And Lord, I'm missing some of the others just across 610 down into the Heights and over towards Memorial and River Oaks, Lord. Folks that come from out west and up north and east of us, Lord, you've brought people here from a variety of places and some today we know are out in other places getting settled into summer ministry work, some traveling out of the country, some uh, just spending some time with family away for this long weekend. Lord, we ask for prayer for each part of this church, each member of this body, that you would use them, strengthen them, encourage them. Lord, we pray for our country, that we would seek you and follow you, that we'd confess our sins and turn from our ways, our wicked ways, and follow you. Lord, we can't expect a blessing on a nation that does not follow the Lord. But you've said in your word, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to come into your presence this morning. Continue to speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.